What's news this week? The new ban would limit medical use of marijuana from outdoor and enclosed public places. Justin Trudeau is planning to roll out a pilot project that would give a monthly allowance to every citizen. Calling on the international community to criticize governments for their calculated attempts to manipulate citizens' access to the internet and monitor activity. Welcome to What's News This Week. I'm Zachary Camp. My co-host Nick Kenya is out of the studio today, but Senior Kenya has sent a few stories to me to include for you this week. Today is Sunday, March 13th, 2016. I hope you remember to change your clock forward by one hour last night. And we've got a great lineup for you today. We're going to be covering a story about Mayor Tory going after aircraft noise in Toronto. Government of Ontario is reassessing its goals for medical marijuana. We're going to have an update for you on the U.S. Senate and continued opposition to approving a Supreme Court nominee for President Obama. And yesterday was World Day Against Cyber Censorship, so we're going to have a story on that. And if you're not sure what that is, I'm going to explain it all to you. And Nick's going to have three stories in his Leafs report. Toronto's mayor is appealing to the Federal Minister of Transport for some help. Mayor Tory wrote to Minister Mark Garneau in February asking for a new look at flight plans over the city. Complaints of aircraft noise from annoyed citizens are forcing the mayor to pitch a plan that would see flight paths spread out rather than concentrated over designated neighborhoods. Since the change in flight patterns in 2012, 40% of all flights are concentrated to go over the same residential areas 24 hours a day. Tory is optimistic that with a new federal government, a new agreement can be reached with the privately run nonprofit Nav Canada, which owns and operates Canada's civil air navigation system. <laughs> The government of Ontario is taking measures to stop public use of medical marijuana. The provincial liberal government is moving forward with changes that would limit exposure to secondhand smoke from vaporizers and e-cigarettes. The new ban would limit medical use of marijuana from outdoor and enclosed public places and workspaces. Before the change, medical marijuana users enjoyed unrestricted access to their medicine in most public areas. Kathleen Wynne and her cabinet approved the plan Wednesday, sending a strong message that our government will treat cannabis use like a tobacco product. Since Justice Antonin Scalia's passing in February, the United States Supreme Court has resumed its preparations to hear cases with a large possibility of decisions ending in a 4-4 tie. President Obama has moved forward with the nomination process, meeting with potential candidates to the highest court in the land, but Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said all majority members of the Republican-controlled Senate would not accept a nomination from a Democratic president with less than a year left in office. The elected members of the Senate have sworn to fulfill their duties that include approving a presidential nominee to the Supreme Court. Their partisan move to neglect their duties leaves the court at an even number with the very likely possibility of split decisions on important cases. Soon, justices will hear arguments on United States versus Texas to decide whether President Obama has the legal authority to implement his immigration reform program, which defers deportation of undocumented documented illegal immigrants, and a case regarding Planned Parenthood abortion centers in Texas where the Supreme Court could overturn a fifth court circuit ruling that requires state officials to significantly limit access to abortion clinics while ignoring the state's responsibility to promote health. 
Thursday, the Senate Judiciary Committee met, but Committee Chairman Senator Chuck Grassley continued to stand with fellow Republicans in blocking any Obama nomination. Saturday was World Day Against Cyber Censorship. If you've never heard of this annual event that calls for activism against government censorship and monitoring of online activities, you're not alone, but you probably noticed some ads featuring Edward Snowden, Ai Weiwei, and Pussy Riot. They each are being featured on a huge ad campaign across the internet and partnered with Adblock to let the messages be viewed by their 40 to 50 million users. The groups Amnesty International and Reporters Without Borders partnered to create the annual event, calling on the international community to criticize governments for their calculated attempts to manipulate citizens' access to the internet and monitor activity. In 2010, Google and other American corporations, including Yahoo and Adobe, revealed that their security systems had been infiltrated by the Chinese government to obtain data on civilian targets. The government of Bahrain has hacked systems of NGO Bahrain Watch, who tracks arms sales to the Bahrain government. Officials cast a dragnet over prominent Bahraini activists and lawyers, all with commercial equipment made available by British, German, and Italian corporations. Many NGOs don't have the funding to include highly expensive and highly effective security systems in their budget. There's an article that's worth your time to read on amnestyinternational.com. I'll put a link to it in the show description if you want to check it out. And it explains some of the things that are going on right now in the international hacking war over personal data. Very soon, Canadians could be receiving extra money every month. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is planning to roll out a pilot project that would give a monthly allowance to every citizen. It's based on the old idea called basic income that provides a financial safety net by giving citizens extra cash to help pay living expenses like food and rent. It's not a new idea though. Finland and the Netherlands both have this plan in place. Citizens in Finland are given $900 per month while the Netherlands gives out $1,000. The project will first be launched in Ontario to test it out and if successful, the basic income project will move across Canada including Quebec. There's no details on how much will be given or when the program will begin, but funding has already been put aside for the experiment. Alright guys, it's time to talk a little sports, and I've got the Maple Leafs report for this week. Monday, the Buffalo Sabres were in town facing the Leafs, and the Leafs would fall 4-3 in a shootout. But just like last week, another Maple Leafs prospect scored his first career National Hockey League goal. This time it was Zach Hyman. Horse free by Grabner, is a shoot, rebound, Hyman on, and score! A great effort by Hyman to use his size and strength to get in front of the net and he buried the puck off a rebound and it was the first time the Maple Leafs had scored three goals or more in seven games. Garrett Sparks got the start for the Leafs giving up three goals on 27 shots but there was not much Sparks could do on any of the goals. He was kind of helpless in those shots on goal but Wednesday the Leafs hosted the Islanders and this game also went into a shootout. However, Toronto took this one off a shootout winner from another young prospect, Nikita Soshnikov. And this will be his first NHL career shootout attempt. Soshnikov swings in. Score! 
With the win, the Leafs broke their six-game losing streak, and William Nylander and Zach Hyman both scored their second goals on the year. Sticking with the Maple Leafs, it was announced on Wednesday that they will be hosting the first ever NHL Centennial Classic outdoor game as part of their centennial celebration. Of course, the Maple Leafs franchise will be turning 100 next season, and they will host the Detroit Red Wings at BMO Field on Sunday, January 1st. The game will be a rematch of the 2014 Bridgestone NHL Winter Classic, where the two teams played in Ann Arbor, Michigan. This will be Mike Babcock's second Winter Classic, as he was head coach at the Red Wings back in 2014. Here is Babcock on being part of another great event. Well, I mean, outdoor games are thrills, not just for yourself, but for your family, and you get to share the experience with your family, which is uh, fantastic. I remember the family skate at Wrigley Field was... uh, incredible and so you know that was a special event obviously the big house if you've never been to a big house saturday football game it's it should be on your bucket list it's maybe if not the best sporting event in the world it's great i've been to a couple olympics i've been to a few things world series and that there's nothing like a football saturday in michigan so then you play hockey there and then obviously uh for our franchise to get that uh to play the red wings right here in toronto be real special To the Raptors' weekly report we go, on Tuesday night, the Raptors were home against the Brooklyn Nets, but at halftime, the Raptors were down by 16 to a Nets team with a record well below 500. But the Raptors roared back to beat the Nets 104-99. DeMar DeRozan had 25 points, with Kyle Lowry adding 23 points and 9 assists in the comeback victory from a hole that equaled Toronto's biggest of the season. The Raptors got back at it Thursday night against the Atlanta Hawks despite 9 turnovers in the first 13 minutes and 11 by halftime. The Raptors kept things close with the Hawks before pulling away in the second half for a 104-96 victory. It was the first time this season that 6 Raptors had double digits in scoring. DeMar DeRozan had 30, Kyle Lowry with 19, Terrence Ross and Patrick Patterson with 12, and Luis Scola and Jonas Valanciunas with 10. The loss snapped a three-game winning streak for the Hawks, who wrapped up a five-game road trip. (sighs) To the NFL now, where we heard of another shocking retirement. This time, it was Detroit Lions all-time receiver Calvin Johnson that decided to retire at the age of 30. After only nine seasons in the NFL, Johnson racked up 11,619 yards, which is best for a first in the Lions franchise. He also leads the franchise with most receiving touchdowns with 83. In 2012, Johnson set a single-season record for receiving yards with 1,964. Johnson did not have a press conference to announce his retirement like Peyton Manning did, but had this to say in a message. Let me assure you that this was not a hasty or easy decision. As I stated, I, along with those closest to me, have put a lot of time, deliberation, and prayer into this decision, and I truly am at peace with it. His career and retirement are reminiscent of another Lions icon, Barry Sanders. Sanders, considered one of the best running backs of all time and the most popular Lions in player history, retired on the eve of training camp in 1999 at the age of 31 after 10 seasons. This has been a recent trend in the NFL. Last year, we saw two San Francisco 49ers players retire. Star linebacker Patrick Willis, only 30 years old, and Chris Borland, only 24, who was supposed to replace Willis, both chose to retire at the end of the 2015 season. 
that does it for us this week. If you think someone you know needs to know what's news this week, then share the show with them. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, and you can tweet me at the Campwire. Nick is at Canyon Nick, and the show is What's News This Week podcast, but it's all abbreviated into at WNTW podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys. Send us a tweet and let us know what you think should be news next week. We'll be back next Sunday, March 20th. Thanks for listening.